Thank you for listening to the Hops and Hoons, a humanity podcast. We're a couple of board-certified behavior analysts living in Oregon. I like beer. Sam likes horses. Put it all together, Hops and Hooves, a podcast where we can share our snarky perspectives on life, beer, animals, and applied behavior analysis. Okay. And we're back. We are. And no animal attacked me in that intro. We got him impressed. And Alice is even just laying on your feet. Alice like, and I. You're bonded. become bros. No. That's kind your of. homies. Huh, Schmoodle. Um, Atlas and I had a moment because mm. you were out of town mm-hmm. last week mm-hmm. and I came over to help Marissa. And at one point, well, one night he actually left. <laughs> he the, left. The second night, <laughs> he tried to get all sneaky on me and do it again. <laughs> and uh, we had to kind of have a moment. Yeah. It was like we had a little Jurassic Park moment. Yeah. yeah. What's that velociraptor's name? Blue. Blue. But yeah. He's white. <laughs> but he's white, blue. Which explains a lot. It does. But anyway, white, unneutered man. Um, since that, <laughs> since that, <laughs> mo- since that moment, um, he's been. We, yeah, we, he just. We kind of have an understanding, I think. Yeah, he just needs to know you mean business. Yeah. He doesn't play with me. I'll get open the gate, and I'm like, no, thank you. And he just sits and stares at me. Well, I think what it is he realized that I'm very progressive in my approach to ABA, <laughs> and so. He, he's come to an understanding that y'all have an understanding we're all now. Good. Mm, all right, so <laughs> like you, on that you you meet the credentialing criteria yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for the what did I call it earlier? <laughs> what was it, the three P? The problematic pyramid of privilege. Yes. Oh yeah, three I'm gonna P? make that into a shirt. Three P. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we're I, back. I created the first two P's and you you finished off mm-hmm. with the final P because I couldn't figure out what it yeah. should be. I don't got <laughs> I like. I knew I was onto something though. Anyway. Welcome, everyone, back to another episode of Hops and Hooves, a humanity podcast. Uh Uh-huh. With your hosts. I'm I'm Sam. I'm Sam. (laughs) I am Sam? Sam, I am? You kind of said that with, like, a question. (laughs) I'm not sure. And I'm Eric. Yes. And we are infamous now. We're something. We're something. I mean, I was described the other day as by a behavior analyst. In fact, a BCBAD. As a problematic on social media. Oh. Mm, burn. I was oh. like, oh, okay. That's, mm-hmm. or maybe you should just stop being an idiot. How about that? That, that might help <laughs> in a lot of areas. So but, problematic. But I'm guessing the things that just came out this past week. Yeah. They're not, they're not going to go that route. They're no. They're going to go a more progressive route. <laughs> And if you're wondering, yes, I'm throwing shade today. <laughs> throwing shade. <laughs> I feel like, like we've, hot. I used to throw shade a little more quietly on this podcast. And now Eric's just reached the stage where he's like, zero fucks given, Sam, do your thing. Yeah. Well, right. So anyway, so welcome back. Um, we're still. Uh, to a shit talking podcast. Yeah. Which is apparently just what we are doing now. Um, so I don't know. I was going to say so, like I was going to lead into something, but I don't really know what that thing was. We, uh. Once again, a little off format. I don't have a beer today. I know. Eric's doesn't have a beer because our third center opens on Monday. So this would be, uh, if you're keeping track, great value location number three yes. in uh, Salem. So <laughs> um, that's opening on mm-hmm. Monday. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Eric and I and Beth and everybody else have literally been at work. I have been at work since my plane landed basically from Weba. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I don't know what day it is or who I am yeah. or 
what is yeah, existing in the world. Our bodies are turning against us. Yeah, and we're old, so like, there's that. Speak for yourself. <laughs> Fuck you, you're older than I am. I'm old, you old. I'm a spring chicken. <laughs> oh yeah. A spring chicken with spring. really bad back problems. <laughs> <laughs> so springy. So <laughs> and, and, and early onset dementia. God. So, <laughs> so Eric's not drinking because we ran around and fixed the center all day and then had to yeah, go out. Yeah. And because yeah, um, I mean, after all, the center opens on Monday and I'm and I'm taken off. Oh my god, Eric has decided that vacation is the thing you do on the first week of an open That's center right. in which you That's are right. the senior VCBA. Um well, you know, if the systems are right, it should all work out, right? Yeah, the system is, oh shit, <laughs> Sam will be there. It's kind of. Also in between other things. In, in my defense, I put that request way before we were even going to open that center. I would like to point out, though, that Beth and I managed to keep everyone so on track that we were under budget and on schedule. Yeah, you, you definitely we did the did, thing. You did the thing. You know it. I was impressed. See? Beth and I don't I mean, play. Who thought that two women could pull it Oh, off? God, I know. I just, they're so, women are so useless that I just don't know how you would do it. So anyways. I don't really believe that, by the way. Yeah, no, Eric's you know a that, feminist. Um, so, yeah, there's been a lot of going on. Um, yeah. Let's just jump right into um, business shout-outs. Yeah, that's fine. Business shout-outs. I just think it's to everyone, realistically. Yeah. I mean, I think Marissa and Nathan and Tiffany and Beth and Rachel Mm -hmm. have just and you obviously have sort of really done the thing and i mean everything from helping to set up the new center to confronting personal things that are a struggle to having hard conversations to making mistakes and learning and growing and acknowledging their flaws and our flaws and i just i think i'm continuously amazed by the dedication of the people around us I think, and it just, it never, I don't think it ever sort of goes under the radar for me. Mm. Like, I see it in kind of their every interaction. I mean, past couple of weeks. I mean, I got called a money-hungry bitch. I'm just going to add it to the list. You were not called a money-hungry bitch. It was implied. <laughs> not directly. <laughs> they just implied it. I've decided that um, people think that I'm like Scrooge McDuck and that I just have a, a basement full of gold coins that I dive into every day. And yet the reality is uh -oh. like my uh, freezer doesn't work. I have a dishwasher that doesn't work. My stove doesn't work real well. And, and um, if you all like came on out to the farm. I know. I mean, <laughs> It's pretty jerry-rigged. Yeah. I mean, it works. Everything's I mean, kind of broken <laughs> and like, you know, this is just my life. But sure, I also have an underground tunnel of money somewhere yeah, that I'm just playing and daily. You're just waiting for the right moment. To you know it. Out. I'm going to start throwing, making it rain, but gold coins and knocking people out. <laughs> Throw my own privilege around. Yeah. I'll, I'll back up that shout out to all the people. Um, just people doing jobs they don't normally do. Mm -hmm. Um Helping being out flexible. wherever they can, being flexible, uh, knowing or, and trusting us that we're making the best decisions for them and everyone else. Mm -hmm. And we, we give them limited information or we give them what they need to know to get the things done. And yeah, Or I give them too much information and much I, um, um, there's but, not a happy medium. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about in terms of <laughs> actual like opening yeah. up the center. Um, and so this week was, you know, a very short amount of time to get a lot of things done yeah we got finished construction it's like hey we've got to move in we got yeah. occupancy permits on officially monday morning mm -hmm. and we walked into a completely renovated but completely empty center right to a completely almost done and ready to go as much as it will be yeah. center in five days it's, it's pretty freaking cool looking 
Heck yeah. yeah. I'm excited to be a mm-hmm. part of it. So um, that's business yeah. shout outs, yep. I think. Um, on the uh, nonprofit side. Yes. We've been. Uh, we got a donation from Coastal. We got a donation from Coastal. So whoop, whoop, thanks, Coastal. Ranch. Farm and Ranch. Ranch. And you hold the whole name. Thank you, Coastal Farm and Ranch, yeah. for your donation to help support Gift cards. what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the uh, advocacy side, we've uh, we've ramped up our approach to addressing problematic everything. Problematic what? I can't problematic remember. practices and people. Yes. There you go. Um, and so, you know, we talked in our last episode about the Judge Roomberg Center and how problematic it is and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And and it gets worse, friends. We, um, we kind of had to talk it through a little bit. I say a little bit because we're really on the same page on it. Um, <laughs> and we, we realized that we weren't getting, the mission wasn't getting the attention that it deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of changed our approach to be a little bit more upfront and in your face about it on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, Which isn't start, my style at all. I'm a very mellow, not upfront yeah, and in your very, face kind of person. Show. Yeah, totes. Um, and so we created a lot of infographics, a lot of messaging. Um, we listened to a lot of awful I had to watch things. a lot of yeah. awful things, listen to a lot of awful things, um, interviews of, of survivors, mm-hmm. um, documentation that's out there i read entire fda briefs which yeah, was just, just i mean what i wanted to do and, stuff, and we're now disseminating that information in more visual ways um <laughs> and it's people are taking notice mm-hmm. i even learned how to read acceleration graphs that had someone give me a crash course and, and i wild, fucking hate acceleration graphs yeah, yeah i was like i'm not I, ever doing I had to anything explain it to easy the other day Ugh, and they're no, like thank oh you. what yeah um, i'm not interested so because of that those efforts We've had people now beginning to reach out to us and mm-hmm. say, hey, what? Um, I, I knew this was a thing, but I didn't realize mm-hmm. it was a thing. And I think it's important for us to point out, I mean, throughout the whole process, is that there have been people within the disabled community who have been fighting this for decades. Yes. We just happen to have the privilege of being, I mean, I'm sort of neurotypical, mm-hmm. right? Like. And have, again, this position of privilege that allows us to be very fucking loud and have, we have a clinical understanding, plus we have a trauma understanding. Um, but this is not a new fight. Like, right. we're just hoping to kind of take on some of the burden mm-hmm. and from the people who have been doing it for, I mean, since 2009, I'm sure before that. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking Shane Newmeyer mm-hmm. is a an attorney. And they got, they became an attorney to fight the JRC, which mm-hmm. I mean, is massive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important, like this is not, we're not, we don't want to co-opt this and say like, this is our, yeah. we didn't, we yeah. Didn't, we didn't create this. We're, mm-hmm. we're jumping into the fray. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Face and, first. Yeah. And the, the message that we're trying to get this out to is the people in our field. I mean, people in general, but mainly the people in our field who have been sitting here Knowing that this has been happening, but maybe not truly understanding what's been happening. Which I think was our, like what happened to us. I think that's what happened to us, yeah. Most uh, of us. That we knew something was happening and, uh, oh, well, they have a justification? Oh, okay. But then you realize really what they were doing Mm -hmm. and what's been causing to the victims who have been receiving this torture. And 
um, we can't sit on the sideline anymore and say this that this is okay and this represents us, this represents our field. Mm-hmm. Right now, yeah. it does. <clears throat> yeah, um, yep, sure and does. so we, uh, and so the approach that we here is start to personalize it a little bit more. And we've been using stories of the survivors of um, have gone through this awfulness. We um, still also don't have someone to build us a a, a GED four. We yeah. well, we had someone who offered, but I think they're a little hesitant that we might die. So yes. um, I'm not sure if they're going to do it. So we need to find someone else to build us one i'm gonna someone's building me one i don't like well, this is gonna happen yeah we haven't we haven't stopped we're still i mean we're determined to go through this process we're mm-hmm. gonna experience the things that um these we're gonna call them victims yeah that, yeah that, that they're that they're experiencing mm-hmm. um to the intensity the degree that they experience it right yeah i mean we did this and we this isn't like a performative thing uh-uh. this is like um in order to say that we truly understand we right. have to experience it right well and i think that's my thing probably our thing as clinicians is that like we're not saying under any circumstances remove entire whatever's research whatever that looks like mm-hmm. right what that's just that makes it too simple what we're saying is we can't make use of anything that does not cause harm is not painful and we wouldn't do ourselves at mm-hmm. this point we have no idea like we have what the people who have been tortured have told us, which is enough, right? But as clinicians, we should experience it. Right. And apparently everyone who works there has, so I don't see why it's a big deal. Yeah. But if we're, so, if we're so sure that what we're doing is ethical and we're comfortable in our decisions, we should be, as Hanley says, televisable. Mm-hmm. I should be able to walk into your center, hook myself up to a backpack and live by your behavior plan. Mm-hmm. That's all they want. Mm-hmm. They denied me. So now we're going to make our own. And we already tried living by the behavior plan. And I got shocked 38 times in an hour. Was it 34? I don't know, man. Mine was, was, what, 30, 30 and 90 I don't know. A lot. But, like, let's talk aggressive posturing because my whole face is just aggressive. So all it takes is, like, one eye twitch. And it's like, oh, you raise an eyebrow. (laughs) Click. Click. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And so we started personalizing a lot like i said earlier we started using um victim statements mm-hmm. and we i think both you and i were a little bit on the fence mm-hmm. about that mm-hmm. um in that we don't want to like re-traumatize people mm-hmm. um or do things like in their name that mm-hmm. they're um, but we used public publicly released information yeah um, i i think as trauma specialists mm-hmm. right we know the impact that re-traumatization mm-hmm. can have mm-hmm. does have mm-hmm. um so i think we eric and i kind of had some hard conversations because i sort of started as i usually do a very hard line about like no absolutely like, mm-hmm. no let them live in peace they like i they should not have to open social media and see but eric made a very solid point that they are putting themselves out there to try to help and you know, that's it, if it works and it gets us to somewhere where people are not being subjected to this, then it's OK. So we're just or we only use, like Eric said, publicly available things. Um, and we tend to try to like check and make sure that, you know, we, we both feel. Like, yeah. Um, actual imagery. Yeah. This is like a news report that's already out in the public. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're we're being careful in, in how we're doing it. 
but it's also got it's also gotten um, the attention of folks who now are reaching out and saying, "I want to help." Yeah. What can I say? What can I do? What can? How can I jump in? We had we've had a few meetings now with people. We've got another mm -hmm. one tomorrow. Um, that uh, people are realizing, okay, this something needs to be done. We can't just sit mm -hmm. here and be upset about it. We're and I action that, that's warranted. And I, I think <clears throat> again, it usually takes one person, two people, uh, you know, to sort of literally throw themselves off a career suicide cliff. Mm -hmm. And you and I just kind of looked at each other. And you're like, no. Nah! And then jumped. But I think in that, people are now feeling less intimidated. I mean, we admitted out loud we were anxious. They, I mean, they're a very well-off organization. They have $30 million in just school district funds. There's chicken fell down. Um, so, but again, if we are engaging in intentional actions and valued living, like this is something that we had to do. So here we are. And now I think people are kind of like, oh, oh, we can do the things. Yeah. We should do the things. Um, we actually, there's a whole other podcast that we just listened to. Mm -hmm. um, the host was sent, sent, that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> we were linked up with the host through um, Brian, the bearded behaviorist. And they had put out a podcast episode um, on the JRC, and it's beautifully done. Um, this person doesn't have any clinical background, from what I understand. And they did a really, really good job. Yes, it's the least of these. The least of mm -hmm. these is the name of the podcast. Um, I think you can find it on Spotify and all the other mm -hmm. places. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very good episode. And I know... Um, they're doing some more like follow-ups on it. And I think we're going to try to kind of help and um, use as many platforms as we can to try to get the word out. Zoom wants me to know that it's recording. Okay. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and I think what I've been kind of trying to do is connect all the different places that have been actively advocating against the JRC because it, there's a lot of people who have been doing it and it hasn't been sort of centralized to say like, how do we get the most impact? Like, what do we do here? Like, sure, we can protest. That's fine. But how long can we protest yeah, where we can't a, uh, make an impact, right? There's a list of organizations that have publicly in one way or another stated their opposition. You mean like the UN who said it was literal torture? Yes, which is one of them. Um, <laughs> but there's like 200 and something, 240 something organizations that have come out in one form mm -hmm. or another in opposition to JRC. Do you know who's not on that list? Who's not on that list? I'm going to go ahead and say all of the professional organizations of ABA. Yep, and not a single one. Mm -mm. No, that's fine. They just shock people for um, urinating in the wrong place. And... um getting out of their chair without permission um, and getting out of bed without permission and aggressively posturing, um, saying no, saying no refusing to take medications, mm -hmm. um, threatening to injure themselves or mm -hmm. someone else, which I don't know what that means. Oh, well, the other one not maintaining their menstrual but their menstrual hygiene, hygiene, which like if you're sorry, men, I listen, you have to get used to it. If you're a woman, can you like can we just talk about all the gross things that can happen when you get a period? Like, I, what what is that? I don't. What is proper? I just like can't and like just the like the dignity piece of that. Like, mm -hmm. well, how the fuck are you? Are you coming to the bathroom with me? I don't understand why you think this is an acceptable thing to target. At all. No, 
thinks. Yeah. Yeah, it like boggles my mind. So anyways, yeah. Um, So that's the podcast. And I think today we're going to talk about just sort of Matthew Israel himself, um, who is the person who founded the Behavioral Research Institute, Mm -hmm. which is now JRC. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm actually trying to track him down because I want to talk to him myself. We think he's what, 80... Two eighty three now is always him. Uh, last sure. last week in find he was found practicing in California at a school named Tobin World that then got shut down because you know he's a monster. Yeah, and so that was somewhere like twenty fifteen. Yeah, it was when I lived in California. I'm telling you, I remember that place. Mm. Um, but I haven't found any record of him since then. But if I find him, I will find him and interview him. And yeah, so. Um, Eric has sort of fallen down the Google hole on how much of a monster Matthew Israel is more than I have. So I think he's going to go. You know, it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, a lot of people are very impressed with the work of B.S. Skinner. I mean, Mm. he's the man that, that started it all in our field. Correct. I mean, yes. Let's not talk about all the other issues today. I didn't say anything, but, but yes, he did. Uh, B.F. Skinner was able to take the science of applied behavior analysis and apply it to, in many different mm-hmm. ways, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of our research was in animals, mm-hmm. but he was able to extend that research into a more, how do I word it? Um, Fictional ways. Oh, okay. I was like, I don't know where you're going, but yes. Um, yeah. Because B.S. Skinner wrote a book. Um, it's not called, very good. That's called Walden 2, um, which uh, is basically a, a book written about a group of people that started a, a utopian society right. that was based on the principles of operant conditioning. Right. Um, and didn't he also try to start his own, B.F. Skinner? I don't know that B.F. Skinner tried to, tried to start. I don't know. I'll look it up while you're. But um, back in 1950, early 1950s, there was a young student by the name of Matthew Israel mm-hmm. who um, attended Harvard University. And at the time, I guess, like when you went there, like you had to take a course, like like a general science credit course. So he took a behaviorism class. Guess who taught it? Who? Was it B.F. Skinner? Skinner? Holy nonsense. Um, and I guess during that time, he, uh, he being Matthew Israel, read Walden Should just too. call him the man whose name shall it not be spoken. Like a, it wasn't uh, like a mandatory read. It was like he read it because he saw it and probably was trying to kiss the ass of the professor. So, hey, I no. read your book. White man. Meet white man. Um, but at some point, I guess, he was so blown away by this book that he was like, I got to do this. I had to do this thing. And he went out to B.F. Skinner and said, hey, you need to make this mandatory reading in all your classes. And How uh, well did B.F. Skinner respond to being told what to do? Probably not <laughs> too, too well. Um, I think, I think B.F. Skinner was like, no, like that's not what we do. But then It's probably think, a little unethical. I, I think eventually it became like mandatory reading, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is kind of funny. It's like, I'm not going to do it because you asked me, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. So um, when he, gra- when Matthew Israel graduated, from Harvard University, he was still like really into the whole, I want to create a utopian society, blah, 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 blah. <coughs> Call uh, <me> later. 
And so he left with, you know, this plan. Okay, I'm going to go do this thing. And in 1966, he attended a, I guess they were having Walden II conferences. <coughs> Cold. Um, and so he met people there that were like, hey, yeah, we want to do this thing. And he started this organization. And I haven't found more information about it yet, but it was called the Association of Social Design. Which sounds like a cult. And it was basically this group of people that were like, yeah, we want to create this like utopian community, um, kind of like what was described in Walden 2. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, all right, we're going to do this thing. Well... You know, long story short, guess what happened? What happened, Eric? It didn't work. What? Why not? <laughs> um, well, let's see. So, I need to look at my What state were these? So, this was actually in Massachusetts. Oh, so I think the surprise. first one was in Arlington, Massachusetts. I didn't know there was an Arlington, Massachusetts. Um, the more you know. So, he, yeah, the first one that he tried was 1967. Um, he started a, a communal house in Arlington, Massachusetts. Just one house? Mm-hmm. But there's a little side story Okay. that's involved right. with this. Okay. So when they started this communal house, there was a lady that lived there and that had a three-year-old child. Mm-hmm. And the three-year-old child, well, it says girl, but... Tiny human. Yeah. Tiny human. That had some, let's just say, behavior issues. That Matthew Israel, because of his training, thought, oh, I can help this mother out. And so he offered his services and he worked with this child and finally got to the point where he discovered, you know, I found something that really works really well with stopping behavior. Yeah. And that was flicking the girl in the face. Do you know what happens if you flick me in the face, Eric? What happens when I flick you I'd in the face? I'd probably punch you. <laughs> Or headbutt you. Or, like, find a stabby weapon. Yeah, stabby yeah. McStabbersons. Um, and so he realized how effective this was, and so he continued doing it. Just flicking someone else's child. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Flick yeah. my child in the face. See what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Israel himself reports that he did not see significant changes in her behavior until he disciplined her with physical punishment in the form of a slap across the face. I think he also talked about flicking her in the face, too. He did talk about flicking her in the face, yeah. Um. And that would make her stop crying. And then he would do like some timeout stuff as well. Um, and so, you know, he discovered, oh, okay. So I can use some aversive stimuli mm. here to get behavior to stop. And I smack you is. in the face. Weirdly enough, you'll stop doing a thing. Yeah. And I then, of course, why. when you're doing what I want you to do, then all of a sudden, I, you know. I'll be nice to you. I'll just things. completely traumatize mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, that was his like first foray into uh, aversive Okay, so his first foray foray into aversive stimuli was someone else's tiny human. Yes. Okay, got it. A three-year-old. A three-year-old. Can we... Mm. Sorry. Yep. Um, But (laughs) for whatever number of reasons that didn't... I I don't know why. That that experiment Mm -hmm. in communal living didn't Mm -hmm. quite work. Uh, I don't know if it was just like he didn't have his systems well established or what was going on. Well, here's what I found. Um... They all had problems of a marriage without the satisfactions people have in marriage. All the problems of living together. Mm. The first house had six or seven people. So they weren't having sex with each other. So they got frustrated. He wasn't having sex with any of them? Oh, he hadn't figured out that part of the cult yet. Okay, I got it. Oh, wait. The sex part of cults hasn't hasn't come (laughs) in. 
Yeah, uh, the three-year-old tiny humans says her mother was a Freudian. She was an unwed mother, but she gave me the chance to do the training with her child. I feel like he was sleeping with the mother. Like, that's how that reads. Oh, maybe. Possibly. Right? Yeah. But th- he was probably sleeping with them, but they couldn't sleep with each other. Because, you know, cold. That makes okay. sense. That so makes anyways. sense. Yes. Um, so they're kind of like, talk about it vague, very vague. Right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, he hasn't worked that whole mm-hmm. that whole part out yet. But, you know, there were other opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, so oh, wait, later. Can I stop you for yeah, just a second? Um, this tiny three-year-old at the... Um, the Association of Social Design meetings would walk around with a toy broom and whack people over the head, and that brings me so much joy. And I hope that she did that till her little heart was happy. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like your your child sometimes coming out here and like uh-huh. doing like jujitsu. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. They met once every eight days. At and on the ninth day, <laughs> they, whatever. Yeah. They slap children. Yeah, I guess. Um, which, you know, is a theme of people who were practicing behavior analysis back at that mm-hmm. time. That uh, slapping kids and smacking them around. I mean, I mean and it, that was a thing. As long as it got them to stop. Yeah. The young, like, the young autism. It was basically project, um, was it empirically validated intervention right i mean it is empirically if it doesn't work yes yeah yeah, yeah it, it's very effective it's also very fucking awful right like I don't, we have this whole it's effective okay it also makes you a monster yeah and so what you may hear to even today mm-hmm. is justification of well at the time mm-hmm. that's just how we did things right right at the time well yeah research said that if you do this slap yeah you slap people um, yeah. They'll probably stop, but you want, you know, if you don't want them to do it anymore, they'll probably stop it. Uh-huh. Right? Um, yeah. And so we're not going to apologize for things that happened back in the 60s and 70s. Because it wasn't us. In the 80s, um, because either it wasn't us or that's just the, what we were trained to do at the well, time. Well, yeah. We're just like, uh, what, w- what was it? Who else? Well, you know, does well, what they're told? Well, you know, it was trained to do very violent things to people. Oh, I know. Nazis. The Nazis. <laughs> I was just following orders. Oh, okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you know who doesn't follow orders well? Me. Do you know mm-hmm. why? Because it makes you a monster. Mm. <laughs> uh, so after, a, a, I think I, there was another attempt to create this utopian society. Um, he, I think, got so frustrated and just, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and create a school. Mm. So he tried. Because it doesn't work on adults very well. Yeah. Neurotypical adults. And so I'm going to try this on children. Well, yeah, I mean, because that totally, I'm not enough of a monster and so already. Then, then the uh, Behavior Research Institute was created. Mm-hmm. And guess who was hired as the staff for this Oh my school? God, who? People who were part of the Association for Social Dynamics. Oh, yes. that's such a surprise. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So after he had, you know, of course, trained them up to, mm-hmm. you know, live this whatever life that he wanted to do using mm-hmm. aversives he um yeah trained them to be teachers at the school do you want to hear something really gross that i just read oh, it's tied not? into that um so it's a matthew israel interview i think you read this one um so the first couple employees he made them be interested in walden too and he says 
And then I found that I didn't want to compromise the quality of the school by making that requirement. I also found as the next three or four years went by that I was getting such satisfaction out of running the school that the potential satisfactions of the utopian community were less important to me. So, like, you just wanted to control a whole population of things, and that's what brings you satisfaction. We're not going to push back on you too much, right? Yeah. I mean, the adults, we like, that would have been cool, but they're way too high maintenance. So, like, you know who doesn't push back real yeah. well? Kyle's Tiny pretty human. About it too. Justin Kyle's real mad. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Kyle's not my biggest fan. Uh, yeah. Anyway, sorry. I just got. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just. I think, you know. Yes, Kyle, I get it. Justin. Justin, Kyle, sorry. <laughs> this is um, not Colin. How quickly yeah. until we have another one named uh, after someone? So when you listen. <laughs> Justin Kyle, I swear. That's the phrase. Justin Kyle, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> so what we learn about Matthew Israel and this the process and starting up this school is it seems to be that there was a grooming period going on in that he's bringing people in, he's teaching them about these principles, he's showing them basically how to use aversive treatment towards children um so yeah why naturally why not use these people that you've pretty much groomed to now become your teachers at your school for children with special needs um and you you can see that again that whole grooming process kind of taking place and like sam mentioned after a little a little time he he kind of gave up on the whole utopian society thing because yeah, now he's got this sweet little shop where you can do whatever you want. No one's really pushing back on you. And it's it's effective, right? Yeah. It works. Um, you know what doesn't work? What? Yelling at Justin. Apparently chasing him not. around the yard. Not. Although he runs away from me like he's um, very scared and then side-eyes me from afar, which sounds very much like real life. <laughs> Because uh, it's interesting, like, at one point, there was just a, like a California connection. So maybe, maybe yes. that's where he came from. Um, because he was trying to set up a, a location in California and got denied. Okay. Um, but what I also learned was that he also went to school with Michael Dukakis, who later became the governor of Massachusetts. Which I'm not going to go ahead and throw out there that, like, nepotism is a thing. So, but, uh, <clears throat> I mean, gross. Matthew Israel's claim is that, you know, they just kind of went to school with each other. They kind of knew of each other, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. There was no, like, mm-hmm. uh, inside. Oh, whatever, and his, whatever. did you know Matthew Israel's father supported him in his political campaign? And that his father's law partner was an advanced man for him in his campaign? Um, yes. Which, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, he can deny all of the, that he didn't know Michael Dukakis mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, because of all that kind of connection, yeah, they were able to get something set up in, uh, mm-hmm. the, I think it was Rhode Island? I don't know. Um, I think they started off um, in Rhode Island, and then they moved from Rhode Island to Canton, Massachusetts, and that be- that's when it became the Judge Rotenberg Center. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in 71, the procedures they used were spank, muscle squeeze, water spray, and pinch. Mm. Mm. They used to pinch the bottoms of their feet. Yes. Ooh. To the point where... They could like, walk. They could <clears throat> walk, and there would be blisters on feet, and just, just awful things. And it's aromatic ammonia that they would spray with. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, have you ever, like, uh, tried yes. an ammonia capsule? I mean, I've never tried it, no, but I have smelled it. Um, 
Well, I mean, they, yeah, you break it and then put it on your y nose. Yeah, no, I've never had to do that. Yeah, but yeah, like, they call them smelling salts. Yes, no. Um, but yeah, those are well, awful. Yeah. Kyle hates it too. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. Listen to this. So there's a, a lot of interconnectedness. Yeah, um, there's nepotism. Knowing politicians, knowing lawyers, um, and that network continued to build and build and build. And he seems to be a pretty smooth talker, which, what do we know about? A lot of cult leaders. They're like really um, charismatic, mm -hmm. very good talkers, mm -hmm. very good at convincing people of mm -hmm. things, um, convincing people to do weird shit that like a normal, regular, everyday occurrence is not like, mm -hmm. you know, kind of like shocking other humans right. with a backpack. No, so he was able to convince a lot of people that, hey, even though this might need a, like, this is something that's very necessary, mm -hmm. right? And so a lot of times they use the, um, what do they call it? The, well, they're getting detached retinas and they're creating, you know. Traumatic brain injuries. Traumatic and Brain mm -hmm. injury. Um, and I'm not saying that those things aren't happening. No, of course they are. That's right. the immediate go-to of, right. well, have you worked with anybody that gouged their eyeball out? I mean, yes. I mean, have you worked with anybody that gave themselves a concussion? Yes. Um, <laughs> People and, who gave me a so, concussion. Yeah, same. And I never worked at a place that used aversives. When you have the ability to influence people, um, which apparently he does, mm -hmm. um, you you get a system like this, yeah, uh, where you still hear the the those kind of talking points uh, from the people that are working. Well, there, and I have to admit, like I still that place. that's how we were taught it, right? Mm -hmm. That's how I have taught it to people, right? And I think what I when I try to phrase it, because I'm obviously more kind of, you know, trauma-y, but I say, you can't have a blanket yes and you can't have a blanket no, because there is literally situations in which the things you never thought would occur will occur, mm -hmm. right? And if you've said absolutely not everything is off the table, then potentially you might not have choices. And if you don't have choices, then we've literally taken away any decision-making power mm -hmm. that the adult client whatever has, right? But when it was taught to us, it was, it's this or death or medication coma. And mm -hmm. like, I'm talking coma, like you're so medicated that you are in bed. And in that very hypothetical, very lacking in detail situation, it makes sense. Right. Especially if you're thinking it's kind of like low level, less than a taser, more of like a jolt, like, whoop, mm -hmm. what are mm -hmm. we doing kind right. of thing. And it becomes like, OK, well, at what point does any of this become on the table? Right. And for me, at what point do any aversives come on the table? Like, what am I looking at? What what is that progression from whatever punishment all the way up to medication, all the way up to sort of contingent electric shock? Mm -hmm. How do I as a clinician, as a human and a person, how do I feel about all of those? How would I ever make a decision? When would I ask for help? How would I know, right? So I always made my learners do that whole exercise because the ultimate answer is you don't get to make the decision by yourself. You don't get to make a decision that lasts, to be honest, it, for me, longer than a couple of days if we're talking anything aversive, mm -hmm. right? Um, and you need to have Damn good televisability, policies, procedures, consent, assent, right. like I up through like psychiatry consults, like on hand psychiatry consults and specialists. And and this is even if we're talking like 
for me, restraints. Like, mm-hmm. we don't even restrain kids because no thank you. Um, but, yeah, you're taught that, that it has to be an option because there are people who will die. But Which may be, but they're not all option, in New York. <laughs> we were told the intensity of no. the shock, right? Well, right. So you, there's a product that's out there. I don't know. Are they still in production? The Pavlov? Yes. Okay. There's a new one. It's like the Pavlov so, 4. So the Pavlov is a basically a habit cessation device. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where a person can buy it basically looks like a wristwatch mm-hmm. type of thing. The new one's called the shock clock. Oh, okay. It's even creepier. Yeah. yeah. So you know, the Pavlov, which, you know, kind of a catchy name, right? Um, Pavlov, you, you can, I can't remember exactly how it was used, but um, you can give yourself a little, a little shock. Um, whenever you engage in certain behavior, right? And supposedly it, it works pretty well. Well, this one now says the Pavlov 3 is your mindfulness coach on your wrist. Oh, so now we're going to shock people into mindfulness. <laughs> mindfulness? Okay. <laughs> um, that's a stretch. Yeah. Um, that's that's more than a stretch. Okay, <laughs> that's going to be a whole other episode, yep. I think. But yep. anyway, um, yeah, I mean, so uh, versus, yeah, they're... They're, they're around. They're, uh, they're acceptable in certain applications of it. Like so, like this one, uh, a person is willfully administrating a shock to themselves. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, and it's a very mild shock. I'm actually going to order one for us. Okay. Um, and then that is very different. Yeah, you're doing it to yourself. Also, then uh, an, an externally controlled device mm-hmm. in which a shock is administered by another person who yeah. decides whether you should get the shock, yeah. shock or not. Yeah. And you don't have a way out of it. You can't say, I no. don't want to get shocked. You no. can't say, no, please don't shock me. You no. can't say, stop. No. Because if well, you, you can any, say it. Because if you do any of those things, right. you get shocked more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So there's and, a huge difference between a, 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 a personally used personally administrated shock device mm-hmm. on yourself to stop a bad habit mm-hmm. versus uh, a very strong and painful and mm-hmm. intense designed to cause maximum pain mm-hmm. electric device. Well, and Eric, what do we know about humans who are given the power over other humans to hurt them in basically anonymous situations? What uh, do humans do? They, well, their punishing behavior gets reinforced. It does? Why is that? Um, because I don't know exactly why. Because humans are fucking awful. I mean, there's lots of reasons yes, why. Yes, there's I mean, lots of reasons. There's, it could be the attention that they gain from it. Mm-hmm. It could be the... Uh, uh, it could just be, you know, it feels good because some people are enjoy controlling others I mean, and enjoy inflicting pain. You and you see someone in pain and you, oh, okay. I'm pretty I, sure there was a whole ass experiment about it. What was that called? The, um, the Stanford? The Stanford experiment. Prison experiment, yeah. wasn't it? Where yeah. we just basically would kill people if we were given the choice. Right. Because we could and there were no consequences. Right. And then we wonder why giving people a remote control to a human could go horribly wrong. Yeah. Well, there's that, right? <laughs> there's that. Mm-hmm. On the flip side of that, mm-hmm. what happens to the people that are continually punished? Well, so here's the thing, and here's how I, I think when it like started to click in my head, right? So Sassy, my horse, mm-hmm. is a former reigning champion, mm-hmm. right? Um, champion competitive horses are typically not treated well. And when she first came to me, I remember looking at her, and she was not scared of anything. 
by the looks of it, right? Solid, bomb-proof, as they call horses. And then I very quickly realized that, no, she was terrified, but she could not move mm -hmm. because she had learned that she couldn't get out of it and she just had to accept it, mm -hmm. right? Because in the horse world, before they knew better, um, they would use release from pressure as a reinforcer, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to put pressure on you, and as soon as you do what I want, I'm going to let go. Mm -hmm. Well, that was like the belts. They're like, I mean, spurs, whips, mm -hmm. all of yeah. it, right? I hold this pressure on, you do what I want, and I let go, right? Mm -hmm. um, they do, they also used to shock rodeo horses the same way. Um, but you can very much see on her face that she was unable to advocate for herself or do anything mm -hmm. in those moments because she was terrified, right? Right. Um, and she would actually do the opposite of what you would expect. She would approach the human in those terrified situations because she was trying to get me to make her safe, mm -hmm. in quotations, right? I am the person that hurts her, but I am also the only one that cannot hurt her. Right. Um, which is literally what we know about trauma, mm -hmm. right? Like as a domestic violence victim, sure, if you're mad or if, you're, if your jaw clenches, I know how to be safe. All I have to do is make you happy. That's what happens in trauma. Mm -hmm. And if someone, an entire population of humans in a room that you're fucking stuck in, have buttons that are attached to you at all times, you're gonna do all of those things. Yeah, and sometimes uh, that making you happy in the moment is being compliant. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Or even being overly compliant. Overly compliant. I can do anything, I can do anything um, that's mm -hmm. necessary to keep you happy, so mm -hmm. that you don't want to give me the shot. Exactly. Right. Right. Um, which it's just uh, I can't even like describe the emotion that I that I feel when mm -hmm. when I when I think about that that um. You know, people are just responding out of fear. But here's the mm -hmm. here's the, the the big issue, as far as the the folks that do this, right? Mm -hmm. People like Matthew Israel who are, who are doing these things, saying these things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he says even in his own words, like I'm not going to read it right now, but um, he he talks about like, oh, we do these things, and there are no side effects. Yeah. There's no that paper that was just put out by a uh, the evil monster that works there now. Mm. It says there are no known physical or psychological adverse effects right. to the use of contingent right. so electric they shock. Describe, like, yeah, so they actually, they live better lives. They're, they're happier. They're mm -hmm. more sedate. They're more compliant. They actually will help staff put the device on. Right, of and course. And they'll help them do all the things. It's like, well, why wouldn't they? Of course, yeah, of course you would. Like, I, I mean, any victim of abuse will do what they have to do that they think is going to work to make them safer. I mean, my alternative, you're going to strap me to a four-point board and give me shocks for uh, seven hours. So yeah, my why wouldn't I be uber compliant? Right. Yeah. I mean, you would be. Of course, you would. It's not, but that's not autonomy or you know. And living. We're, not, we're not like speaking out of turn here. I mean, there, there's lots of research that yeah. we, that you can go. Weirdly enough, find. there's also trauma research because you yeah. know the field of trauma has come a really long way in the last probably decade, I'd say. And um, we have access to blood tests that can show us increased levels of cortisol. We have brain scans that can show us increased activity in the parts of the brain that tell us if we need to run the fuck away. Like right now, my horse is in fight or flight <laughs> mode because the off. dog's running, right? And it's, I don't know how Matthew Israel was so charismatic that he has convinced an entire generation 
of professionals in a field. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. this man, one man, started this. Mm -hmm. And that was in the, do we say the 60s? 70s, yeah. seven, whatever, yeah, I mean, right? Yeah. It's 2021, and there are people arguing with us over why we should be able to strap people to backpacks and shock them for not taking care of their own menstruation. I, it like feels insane. Here's, okay, so Matthew Israel's um, interview here. The reporter says, have you ever used the GED4 on yourself? And he said, yes. Then asked, what does it feel like? Well, it's very painful. Um, they said, well, how many times have you tried it? A couple. That was enough? The reporter asks. And he says, yes, I demonstrated the GED1 for a reporter, mm -hmm. and he wanted me to show him the GED4, but fortunately he changed his mind. Must the surgeon demonstrate surgery on himself? Buck, yes. If you as a surgeon would not operate on your most loved human, right. you have no business operating. Yes. Also, the GED1 hurt? Yeah. <laughs> and now we're on the four. And the interesting thing is, I think in that same interview, the question was asked, um, like, how long did you do it or something like that? And I think, I mean, I didn't need to pull it up. I just remember at one point, um, he made a statement how, how he actually asked for an exception, right? Because I think someone else was like, was helping him with the device mm -hmm. and giving his shocks, mm -hmm. asked for an, an exception because he was trying to uh, lose weight. And that's why mm -hmm. he was using the device was to lose weight. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, he had a rough week. Oh, well, you just and like so the humans that live there. He had a rough week and he didn't eat very well that week. Mm. And so he asked for an exception that particular time. Uh, maybe not next week, but the week after, I think we're going to do it with, um, with Leah. Mm -hmm. Um, the difference between prisoners in the state of Massachusetts and people who are trapped at the JRC, mm -hmm. because what we found is that if you are a prisoner, you have more rights than a a human who has not committed any crimes other than literally existing, um, which is terrifying. So we're going to talk about that. Um, I think we'll probably do an episode on like the actual, like the trauma part, right? Like the, because we can pull the research. I mean, traumatology is a whole field. Mm -hmm. I can pull the research and we can go through like, this is what trauma looks like. This is how we assess for it. Like, we can assess for PTSD, right? The government has an entire PTSD department for veterans and everything is open source because it's done mm -hmm. by the government. We have assessments for every everything trauma-wise mm -hmm. and we have suggested treatment plans and recommendations and um, none of them involve continuing to traumatize the human that has been traumatized. So we should probably talk about that. Yeah. Um, what else? I think... Eric actually made a really cool infographic today with one of our my pictures from the rally. Um, that the quote on it, what does it say? Do you remember? Um, it's I actually from. It. Um, so we were looking up Massachusetts law. Mm -hmm. Oh right. Um, and so this is general general law part one, Title Seven, Chapter One Twenty Three B, Section Nine. 9. Yes, but the picture. I actually remember it now. <laughs> <laughs> the picture I took is a Desmond Tutu um, quote, and it says, if you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor, which feels very appropriate for mm -hmm. all of the mm -hmm. things, right? Because we also need to talk about the um, demographics of students at the JRC. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I think we did talk about it last briefly, week. right? Yeah. But I think somebody, I don't, I think it's um, Shane has done all the research on um, like funding sources and what districts they're coming from, and mm-hmm. has isolated really like the racial inequities mm-hmm. that exist within the JRC and the use of yeah the GED. So I'm going to try and reach out to Shane and see if we can get that um, because you can literally track the referrals Mm -hmm. from lower income districts with higher population of minorities to the JRC. So like, you know, systemic oppression and problematic things. Systemic and intentional. Yes. Um, And when, when it starts with your referral or your, uh, I don't know, I remember back in Texas, we called it child find, right? I think it's child find everywhere. um, So, uh, yeah, if, if your outreach <laughs> starts um, in communities of color, um, then what do you think you're going to have? Yeah. We should also talk about the marketing they use because mm-hmm. they do, they, they market in lower income neighborhoods mm-hmm. using attorneys and advocates and Atlas. You know, that's fine. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we have a lot of work to do, and I'm sure, hopefully, no one gets sick of hearing about this because we're going to do this yeah. until we make a difference. Um, luckily enough, hey, Eric, where's ABAI next year? Um, it's in Boston. Where are we going, Eric? I guess we're going to Boston. Going to Boston. I mean, going, we're go beforehand. We're going back home. Yeah. So, so yeah. we're going to go. Hopefully, we will have experienced the GED prior to that. I just ordered us a Pavlock, so that might be next week's episode. <laughs> And then we'll just work, get worse. What if I like add? I guess it's a good thing I'm going on vacation tomorrow because uh, you know I can like. How close to a GED four do you think twelve padlocks at a time would be? If anyone knows, <laughs> a would it be an electrical right, engineer? What, what is actually? What is the? Uh, the I don't know. I can't actually find it right now. I'll find it before we go. I mean, I imagine there's nowhere near forty five. No, milliamps. it's definitely not more than a police taser, which is two milliamps. Yeah. You know. It's probably um, like you know, those like little thumb pens that you just like press the little button and like you. Oh my god! Little, yeah, it's probably something like that. Yeah. What's funny is I um. You probably I, like fifty of them. Oh my god! Well, you know what? I actually just had a thought. I have a uh, hot wire for the animals that we could hook up okay. that I've literally walked through and hurts like a, the worst you could ever imagine because you know it's made for horses and they're three thousand pounds, so I we could also maybe hook that up, and then touch it, or push someone into okay. it because you can't touch it willingly. So yeah, okay. we're gonna do this until we make it stop. Here we are. Welcome. And you're all welcome to join. Yes, please. Yeah, fight. Yeah, you can schedule a meeting with us. We have a drive. Um, we have actions that we're taking need to be taken. We do need a lot of people to do research and kind of, you know, make very specific arguments. Um, we need people to make infographics. We need people to call. We need to annoy really anyone and everyone who works there supports there if they're on the board. Um, so yeah, call yeah. me, but don't call me because I don't answer my phone. Um, you can uh, email us at uh, info. <laughs> WTAF at hopsfoodsandhumanity.org, yeah. yeah, which stands one. for what the actual fuck, which just that gets one. more and more appropriate yeah. every week. Um, and yeah, like I said, um, people have been scheduling Calendly meetings with us. Um, we usually just do it over Zoom. Um, and we just, People want to know how they can help, and mm-hmm. if you want to, feel free to schedule an appointment with us, and we can mm-hmm. um, let you know kind of where we are with things and, um, and yeah. give you more information. That's it. Maybe soon we'll have another male animal here named after someone else. Super problematic. 
Um, uh, if you want to know something you can do, the FDA made um, the graphs that they had public and they have the clinicians and the case managers' names on them. Mm. I'm just saying, if they want to annoy someone and ask why they make decisions they do, mm -hmm. those people would For as long be as a they good have. place to start. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so that was our daily, so much weekly dose of joy. Yeah. Also, the goat's going to have babies soon. Yep. Pretty soon. He can be Three a... weeks, I think. He can be a big be so pretty. Anyways. So anyway, all that is to say what? Don't be a dick. Stop shocking people. Mm, it isn't that hard. It's not. It's not. I mean, so it's hard. hard. But it isn't that hard. It's not so hard that we should have to tell people to not shock other I people. Mean, being a good human is not that hard. No, being a like decent human that doesn't torture other people is not really that hard. Listen, just don't be a dick. Yeah. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Um, okay. Love you. Bye. Be more progressive. <laughs> Please, someone define progressive. Be progressive. B-E progressive. P-R-O-G-G. -G. <laughs> like, I can't stop progressive. I was like, progressive? <laughs> also, while we're on it, could somebody define progressive for me? Like, operational terms, so I can know if I meet that standard. Yeah, do that. Do it.